0: listening to Foundry Church's weekly podcast, where our singular focus is to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. Our hope is that today's message would help you to encounter the living Christ in a new and transformative way. I remember sitting in a chair in my house several years ago putting into practice something that I had just read, thinking how stupid it was, but thinking maybe this is the only way. And I sat down in a chair, hey camera folks, zoom out for a second, because they always zoom in, they're like, you did, you moved around too fast, so I remember sitting down in this chair at my house like this. And I was encouraged by the author to say nothing and simply feel. And I sat in silence. As I tried to sit and listen, all I could think of was the expiration date on the milk in my fridge the laundry I needed to take somewhere, I needed to get my car inspected, all this random stuff, and thought this was useless. And I pressed in and remained as quiet as I could. And I don't know how long it was. But there in my living room, in that chair, I began to weep. I didn't ask God for anything. I hadn't said a word. And suddenly I got in touch with what I was feeling, what I'd been carrying for so long. I got in touch with guilt and shame and pride but even beyond that just a longing for peace a longing to be loved and that for me started a journey of of understanding what being quiet before God really looks like. And I think sometimes we come into spaces like this and we're uncomfortable with silence. We go into the spaces of our own lives and we're uncomfortable with silence. We have the tendency to fill it or think that's dumb or think that's only for a certain group of people if we are unable to be silent before God, we'll never be fully present with ourselves, with God, and much less with other people. And as followers of Christ, we're called to live as Jesus lived, to do the things that Jesus did. But yet we live in such a hurried pace, in such an incredibly distracted life, that we must learn to be quiet. We must be comfortable with silence to to a certain level. Because if not, we're going to miss out on what God really has for us. There are groups of people seeking God's touch on their lives, going from one worship experience to the next, going to one church to the other, because it, they have it, and these people have it, and I'm seeking something else. But maybe it's not in all of that. Just maybe it's in the silence of a private place between us and God. The call for us to follow Jesus is not the the affirmation of theological facts and historical events that makes us Christians. For us, being a Christian is to say, I'm going to live a life that pleases God, and it doesn't mean perfection, but it says, I'm going to enter in and to do the things that Jesus did that means we must be willing to be made more and more into the image of Christ, regardless of what we're facing, of what we faced in the past. When I look at other professions as well, I look at, at singers, musicians. There are certain things all singers do as they prepare to sing, as they train, as they learn. Musicians, the same thing. When you work out, there are certain things practices that these people do these groups of people do in order to be the very best that they can be now the frequency intensity and the style may vary from person to person but these are these are practices that they engage we are invited over and over in scripture in different ways to engage in different practices Attending worship is one of them. Engaging in worship is part of that. Having a life of gratitude is one of them. Serving is one of them. Last week, we talked about a practice of Sabbath. Anybody practice it differently this week? I tried it like, man, I forgot. I totally forgot. Like, I'm doing it right now, Luis. I'm doing it right now. Here, Here it is. It's hard. I get it. But unless you get a group of people or even your, your family you say, hey, let's do this this week, you won't do it. You're not going to do it. Because we talked about Sabbathing, it's this idea of stopping. Stopping not only works, stop worrying, stop stressing, stop trying to fix it all. And allow us to connect with God in such a place that he begins to restore and recreate our souls. This is essential if you want to grow in your faith. I think many times in church we highlight prayer, Bible reading, and worship, and tithing. Those are only a few of the spiritual disciplines available to us to grow in maturity in Christ. It seems like we go, 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 and our souls are weary. And we're trying to figure out what's next. And this idea of Sabbath is really coming to Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate rest. Not in what you and I do, nothing else. The book of Hebrews says that we strive not to do more, not to please God with everything that we are, but we strive to rest in the completed work of Christ on the cross. And therefore, Jesus is able to say to us, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, if you are tired... alright if somebody's asleep beside you wake them up alright if I'm tired what do you want from Jesus I would like a really nice comfortable bed like that's what I would want a bed that would cool off that would be great just stay cool so I could rest but Jesus doesn't offer that he doesn't offer a, a day at the spa He says, you're tired, great, come to me, and I will give you, what, my yoke. That is a work instrument. You're like, no, I'm good. No, I I was thinking you had something else from me. But he says, hey, come with me. Put this on, because we're gonna do this together, but we're gonna work, and you're gonna learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. This implies that in order for us to work alongside Jesus will require some humility on our part, as it has for, for him. He says, and if you do it my way, he says, and you will find rest for your souls. You do the things that I ask of you, because I believe he is asking things of us. We will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said non-existent. He said it is easy and my burden is light. The yoke of this world and the one we put on ourselves, it is burdensome, it wears us into the ground, but he says, mine is easy and my burden is light. And I think part of that yoke that we take is to enter into these spiritual disciplines. Some of you have done this for years, other of you have never touched it. Some of you are brand new to this, I'm gonna tell you, engage. The time to engage is now. There are disciplines that are focusing inward, there are others that focus outward, but I think in this rapid-paced life and utterly distracted life that we seem to live, I think it is important for us to learn how to stop. It is important for us to learn how to be quiet. And it is important for us to be alone. Those three things are incredibly difficult for this society, stop, No, people will think I'm lazy. I got too much to do. Be quiet. We fill our lives up with so much noise all around us. Alone? God forbid. You know, I hate to eat out alone. Some people love it. I can't stand it. I can't stand to eat alone. I don't know what it is. I'll eat alone at home but I won't eat out alone. I've never been to a movie by myself. Some people love it. Like, that's great. That's like paradise, right? No kids, nothing to worry about. You're getting away. And it's not that I have to be with someone. It's just some of these public places. Like, and I love being alone. I will spend a lot of time alone, but there are certain activities I don't do in public alone. I think that's one of the things I'm gonna try this year before it's over, just to watch a movie alone. I'm gonna watch Barbie uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> Go watch. It, see the inward disciplines in our life have an element of abstaining from something for a period of time. So, for instance, the the discipline of fasting, we abstain from food. When you talk about Sabbath, we're abstaining from work, from worry, from stress. When you talk about the discipline of silence, which we're going to talk about, we're abstaining from noise of all kinds. In solitude, we're abstaining from people. And silence and solitude go hand in hand, and they're tethered together. And here's the thing, for that season, for that period of time, whatever that is for you, that's what I was talking about, the duration, the frequency, the intensity will vary from person to person. But for that period, you are saying no to these things because you are desiring a greater yes from God in your life. I'm choosing not to engage to do these things because I want something greater in my life. And these practices really help us go beyond the surface of our lives and begin to dive deep so that God can do a deep and lasting work in our inner being. I remember sitting in that place and beginning to feel these things that were incredibly uncomfortable. And yet God drawing near without me having to say a word and beginning to minister to my soul. Some of us stay so busy, so chatty, so on the go that there is no space for the Spirit of God to really come in and work. And yet we're worried and stressed when we pray on the go and everything else. And yet God is longing for us to be simply quiet in his presence. And I wonder, where do you go to hear your thoughts? Where do you go to feel your feelings? What is that space? For some, silence is a threat because we know what's in there and we don't wanna see it, we don't wanna hear it. We have to, have, we get home, we put on the TV for background noise, keep our pods in our ears so we can listen to the podcast or a book or whatever it is, always something going on. Andrew Sullivan in his manifesto for silence in an age of noise wrote this. This new epidemic of distraction in our civilization specific, is our civilization specific weakness. And its threat is not so much to our minds, even as they shape-shift under the pressure. The threat is to our souls. See, the noise in the world and in our minds deafens us to the voice of God. And it's interesting to me that as I sat there, and I've practiced this now for a while from time to time, How easily we hear everything else in this world but the voice of God we hear the negative thoughts about ourselves about our bodies about our past about our marriages about our kids we listen to everything else the world is telling us we should be We listen to the demands that everybody else around us seems to be placing on our lives. We seem to listen to everything else, to the lies of the devil, to the desires of our flesh. And yet God's voice seems non-existent. Part of this is training ourselves to enter into that place where we hear from God. And listen, the more you practice it, the the more quickly you arrive at that point. So think about it. How are we supposed to pray? How are we supposed to to read the Bible, go to church, practice Sabbath, if we're always turning to these little distractions, emptily seeking them to fulfill us in some way? Yet I believe that in the midst of this crazy world and life, there is a different way for us to be present. See, the world seeks to deform us away from the image of God. And yet God wants, to end, wants us to enter into a path that forms us more and more into his image. And I think for us to look at solitude and silence, it's best for us to look at the life of Jesus. In Mark chapter one, we read about Jesus' baptism. And right after his identity is affirmed and the Father has, has spoken, the Spirit descends on him with power and love. Scripture says, and the Spirit immediately drove him, Jesus, out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. See, it's interesting to note that Jesus, full of love and power, is led into the wilderness. Now, this word wilderness in the Greek is edimos, and it's a, it has a, a variety of meanings. The wilderness or desert, as you might read in your translations in the Greek, can be interpreted a variety of ways. A deserted place, a desolate place, a solitary place, a lonely place, or even a quiet place. John Mark Comer Comer says that the wilderness isn't a place of weakness, it's a place of strength. And Jesus emerges from the wilderness, from this place of quiet, untouched by Satan, stronger than ever before, and fully ready to engage the world around him. So Jesus said no to certain things, For a period in his life. Because there was a greater yes. And going to a quiet place. Was a place. Was a a thing that was a a rhythm. In Jesus' life. As we read in the gospels. We come to understand that Jesus. Retreated to Eremos. To a quiet place. On a regular basis. This is where we get this idea. Of quiet time. Those of you that have grown up in the church. Those of us. A quiet time, do you have a quiet time? It's this place where we retreat from everything else and spend some time with God. Jesus came out of the wilderness focused, certain of his calling and identity. Jesus understood what to say yes to, but more importantly, what also to say no to. And this is what spiritual disciplines allow us to do it allows us to maintain our priorities in our lives. In Mark chapter 6, we come across a pretty remarkable story. Jesus has just found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. And Jesus is ministering to people all around. He's surrounded by the crowds. The disciples have gone and put the body down. And this is what Mark chapter 6 verse 31 says. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Have you ever been so busy you forget to eat? Like, I never eat on in the mornings. Very seldom do I eat anything in the mornings unless I have a breakfast. And even the men's breakfast, which we're doing Thursdays, I don't even eat till after breakfast is over because there's good food left over. But, I don't, but here's the thing. I don't think about food. I have a son who we're finishing up Thanksgiving dinner and he's already thinking what we're having later that night or what we're going to eat the next day. That's disgusting. Like, I, 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 I can't do that. Like, that's weird for me. But I, I actually have to put on my calendar, block out lunch. I have people to come in and say, have you eaten anything? Because if not, I will just be enthralled in whatever is in front of me, and I will go on without eating. I guess I'm kind of like Jesus. No, it's unhealthy. I get it. It's not the way to do it. That's the way I get around it. So, so finally, Jesus turns to his disciples and says come away by yourselves this translation says to a desolate place and rest a while you can also translate it come away by yourselves to a quiet place etemos and rest a while you can't rest in a place of heat sand and danger i think the most fitting translation here is quiet place in other words to his disciples yeah i know you're tired I know you have a lot to do. I know you have a lot going on. But what you need right now is not a drink. It's not to watch the Astros. It's not to watch another series on Netflix. What you need right now is a time away, quiet time, to be with me. Away from noise. Away from people. Verse 32. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Again, you can translate it to a quiet place. By themselves. This quiet place happened to be a boat. Some of you are like, I like that. I like this. It might be what you need. But it's not the boat that's the key here. It's with Jesus. You can be in the quietest place on earth. You can go in that cry room in the back. It's pretty quiet in there. But it doesn't matter if Jesus is in there with you. It's to say, Jesus, I want to be with you. And spiritual disciplines aren't about creating a space for us to simply have positive thinking or for us to just simply relax and learn how to breathe and be better people. This is about having an encounter with the living Christ in a meaningful way. I'm not sure how long they were quiet with Jesus. If it was an hour, if it was 15 minutes, but what is clear according to the text is they were interrupted by the crowds. Once again, they saw him on a boat, they start following him on the shoreline because they're wanting something from Jesus. Jesus doesn't roll his eyes and sigh, "Ah, these people. Here's what, I, here's what I gather right here is that Jesus emerges from this quiet place, ready to engage. My time up. So here's what happens. When you and I go away, it's not to run away from the reality of our lives. It's to fully engage. It's to be fully present. And this is what we see in Jesus. He emerges from this quiet time ready to minister to folks, to carry out the mission that the Father has put in front of him. Now, Scripture doesn't say this part. But I can't help to think that Jesus finally got away to grieve the death of his cousin, John the Baptist. Y'all, there are things that we are dealing with that we are grieving, a sense of loss. Pushing through life just to make it isn't the solution. Because it'll end up coming out sideways in some fashion. I believe that Jesus went to this place. I believe that Jesus went here and he cried to the Father, that he felt deeply. And those are the places we need to figure out how to enter into, maybe even collectively at times, so that God can do his work in us. There are things in life that we will encounter that demand that we experience silence and solitude. because it's there that the Spirit of God will work in our lives, where you and I begin to experience healing and freedom ever so slowly, but he does it. And I know we try with the best of intentions to experience silence and solitude, but with a sudden text, a knock at your door from your neighbor, from your friend, something that comes pops into your mind just like that. You seem to be thrown off your game. Jesus was intentional about going to a quiet place. He always made time to slow down, to get away from people and noise and to talk to the Father. Just simply be with the Father. It doesn't matter how old you are. I'm seeing young people around this room. You can do this at the side of your bed. Just simply say, Jesus, I'm here and show up. You can figure out what this looks like. Figuring out a time. This might be new for you, but I'm telling you, it's an ancient practice. Find find the, the courage to stop. Find a quiet place. It might seem impossible for you, but find a quiet place. You may read a little bit of a psalm. Notice I didn't say the entire psalm. There are psalms that are eternally long. Like 119. Don't read that one in one sitting. Ask yourself, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? Just in your own mind. And then wait. Because God's drawing near to that. It's a way of letting what others have described of letting our souls catch up to our bodies. See, if Jesus as the Son of God here on earth deemed it necessary to spend time alone with the Father, what makes us think we don't need that? oh, but I have too much to do, Luis. You don't understand everything that's going on. You don't understand the number of people that depend on me and all the things that I have to do. But I'm an extrovert, Someone on the other side of the spectrum, but I'm already spending a lot of time alone. It's about creating that space to be with Jesus. Excuses are everlasting. And here's what I've noticed. I can be alone and without noise never do the deep work of the soul and there is a difference for us <clears throat> in this idea of of solitude and loneliness I think silence is pretty self-explanatory free from any kind of noise comfortable with silence. Some of us aren't. We're afraid we're going to hear somebody else's stomach. But we're more afraid of hearing what's in our own souls. Don't be afraid. It's there that Jesus shows up. Strive for that that place where you're saying, It's quiet. This is where I'm going to go. This is where I'm going to show up. And here's the thing when you're quiet, you're going to replay all sorts of stuff in your head. Let it play out. Everything from that thing your boss said to you, that's sarcastic comment from your colleague or your spouse or what you didn't say or the lust that you have in your heart or desire for X, Y, Z, the envy, the revenge, whatever it is, let it all in the presence of God. Don't tame it in the sense that be honest with it. It's just you and God. There's no judgment there. And as I experience those things, God sees them and we move forward. And being alone is just for a little period of time. I'm asking you to become a monk and move away into a cave somewhere. Solitude is engagement. Unlike isolation, is an escape. Solitude is safety, and isolation is danger. Solitude is how we open ourselves up to God. And isolation is painting a target on our back, allowing the enemy to know to come get us. Richard Foster writes in his book, Loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. That place of solitude allows me to really connect with God. It's really difficult for me to have sat in a chair by myself with other people around. And our relationship with God is exactly that. It's a relationship, and we must nurture it. We must be intentional about engaging with him, talking with him, allowing him to talk with us, creating those spaces. Our souls are craving time with our maker and our God. We think it might be this, that, or the other. I think it's really just that. And when that happens, out of that relationship, we're able to be fully present with others. He wants to feed our souls. He wants to nourish us. Some of us are malnutritioned in our living life as if everything's okay. And it's not. And it's okay that it's not he restores, he redeems, he brings us back stronger than ever. All of us are facing the undercurrents of anxiety in our own lives, around the world. And it's so easy when we face hardship for us to turn to all sorts of escapes in our lives. Some of us have run out of energy to be fully present in our own lives. We've just given up. And instead of turning to these disciplines because they require something of us, we'll turn to a cheap fix. Another glass of the drink of our choice, we'll binge watch something else, endlessly scrolling through social media pornography overworking anything to not be fully present and that becomes the place where the enemy comes after us but yet we're invited to dive deep All of us. We tend to be reactionary people. Some of us are dealing with a lot. And the tiniest thing will set you off. Some comment on Facebook, you're mad. some email from your boss or sarcastic comment from your coworker or spouse, an unsolicited opinion, and just like that, we snap. We rationalize it. We get defensive, we get aggressive. Many of us are feeling angry and sad and mad, all of it at once. Y'all, all of that are signs of a life without silence and solitude. Every person that I've talked to that has undergone some kind of heart surgery, some transformation of I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lame, but now I walk. I once was impatient, but now I'm not. I once was rude, and now I'm kind. When I see those kinds of stories, there has been a quiet place they went through where God did something in their lives. Recently, I had an encounter with a mentor. Um, and he said to me, after I shared some things, he said to me, Luis, this will have to be dealt with in the silence of your prayer closet. I think God's calling us to that place, to deal with a brokenness in ourselves, with the sense of loss, with the acknowledgement that we want more in something different, not to go and vent and to put it out there, but say, would you come to me? Would you give this to me? Because I believe that God wants a healthy church. A church that hears him when he speaks. Not just to the pastors or the leaders, but the church that hears him and is ready to move and we must step into those places and say, Lord, we're ready to hear from you. And we're practicing these things. Yes, we're gonna encounter the stuff that's not so pretty in us. Our sadness, our depression, our unhealth, our financial troubles, everything else. But then through it all, Jesus continues to work. And then we hear his voice saying, I am with you. I love you. I will get you through this. I will bring healing. And God begins to open up our eyes, our mind into something different because we were willing to be quiet. We were willing to stop You're willing to enter into a new rhythm of life. And I wonder for us this morning, as he told his disciples the same, come, let us go to a quiet place. Will you go with him to a quiet place? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I thank you, Lord, that you are here as well. And I wonder there, where you, where you sit, if that could be a tentative, quiet place for you. Jesus, would you minister to us? We invite your spirit now to move. Lord, would you remove any obstacles in our lives that keep us from coming to you, whether it's fear or anxiety-based? That we would have a sense of your presence. That we would long to come meet you in these places. Regardless of whether we're tired or not, That we would put on your yoke and follow you. That we would experience the rest that only you can give. That we would be men and women that are healthy. And by that, Lord, I mean that we're aware of our propensities, our shortcomings, our needs because we've come to you. And then in that too, we would hear from you. And you know what each one of us needs right now. So would you minister to us from head to toe? And I thank you, Lord, for showing us a way forward in a way that doesn't make sense to this world, but a way that shapes us more and more into your image. We are yours and we belong to you, Jesus. Bring healing and freedom so that in turn we can emerge from these quiet places of our souls fully prepared to engage others. We thank you, Lord, for being fully present with us so that we can be present with others. In your name we ask all of this. Amen. are so grateful that you joined us today and invite you to visit us online at foundrychurch.org for more information on how you can worship, serve, and get connected with us.